How are we doing? Good. All right. I mean, it sounds like y'all still got turkey in your system from Thanksgiving. Glad to be back. My name's Ernie. I'm the church planning candidate for 2021 and got some really exciting news. Um, what he said about Purdue is not true. We haven't made that decision yet. But Critter did tell me a few minutes ago, he said he's going to be my salt director. So I don't know where we're going in 2021, but we have a salt director. Chris Cook is that guy right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's, uh, but if y'all know Critter, he's, you don't, but I do really well. Because I've known him since I'm 10. He's an amazing dude. I really love that guy. We've been best friends for a really long time. And it's, it's great being in the same state as him, working in the same network. I really encourage y'all to get to know him and see if that's what God has for you. He'd be a great guy to follow. Uh, but, but anyways, tonight what we're talking about, we're starting a new series called The Art of Worry. And we're, doing, we're talking about this because, well, finals is right around the corner. Like, Ernie, don't remind me of that, please. I'm just thinking about Christmas and Christmas music and Christmas cookies and all kinds of stuff like that. Please don't talk about finals. You said it again. Why you keep saying that word? It's a bad word. Uh, but I'm going to keep saying it, all right, because it's going to happen. You have to come to grips with reality. But I don't know what you do when you get worried. When I get worried, I tend to go on, like, like YouTube rants, you know? Anybody else like that, like, get trapped in YouTube land? And I watch, like, the most random things you could ever imagine, you know? Like, my, my wife was looking at my, my, my watch history on YouTube, and she's like, Ernie, one moment you're walking about, t- watching a video about how plastic's made, and next you're talking about, like, watching a video about, like, the Baltic Wars in the 1800s. Like, what are you doing? Like, how did those two connect? I'm like, I don't know. It just said next video, and I just clicked it. I mean, it's just what I do, and I, and I love it. I mean, I don't even watch cable TV. I just love watching those videos because it's like if I want to laugh, it's right there. If there's something ridiculous, it's like, and if there's information, I love it. And, and some of my favorites right now are those social experiment videos. You ever seen any of those? You know, where they do social experiments on people? I, I, for a while, I got in a, a pretty pretty big binge on those. And they're really great. Some of them are pretty terrible, but some of them are pretty good because you can kind of point out some of the misconceptions you believe or point out prejudice and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and in fact, let's kind of do one right now. I'm going to read two lists, all right? And I just want you to think about how do these words make you feel? Okay, here's list number one. Uh, the beach, cabin in the woods, book on a rainy day, lunch with family, Dinner out with friends, helping other people, meaningful relationships. That's list number one. Here's list number two. You ready? Syllabus, finals, graduation, future job, grades, parents seeing your grades. How does that second list make you feel? You laugh on the inside, but you tremble on the in- laugh on the outside, but tremble on the inside, right? That's what happens? Of course it does. Those two lists like evoke two very different forms of emotions that pop within us. And here's the reality. No matter how much of you have the first list, if you have one of those things on the second list, you're in trouble, right? You're feeling, you're in the, you're in the struggle bus, you're feeling the worries, you have problems going down, right? You could, you could be at the beach with your friends, having lunch with your family and about to have dinner with your, your friends, and then you have finals in two days, well, you're gonna be worried, all right? The beach doesn't matter at that moment. Because so much of us, we have such, when it comes to worry, we have terrible math. At least I do, right? Because I could have a hundred great things going great for me in my life, but one thing to worry about equals one thing to worry about, right? A hundred great things plus one thing to worry about equals one thing to worry about in my life. Anybody else like that? Yeah, that's me too. And, and worry and anxiety kind of has this power that can so, so often be crippling in our lives. It, it's paralyzing, 
in some ways. Like it causes us to freeze up and we wonder, it's like, is this really what life's gonna be? It's just a series of ups and downs, ups and downs. Good things happen, great. Uh-oh, I have something to worry. Here comes the down part of the roller coaster. I don't like so much some ups and downs, ups and downs. Is this the roller coaster I'm gonna live on the rest of my life? And how am I gonna manage it? Do I just need to grit my teeth and bear it? Do I need to avoid it? Do I need to insulate myself by bringing around enough pleasures or money or whatever it is in order that I don't hear what's really happening? Do I stick my head in the sand? How do I deal with all this? Because it just seems to be so overwhelming at times, right? And we're so good at worrying. Like some of us in this room, if it was an Olympic event, you would win gold, silver, and bronze all at the same time in it. Because we worry about everything. We worry about school. We worry about getting a job. We worry about our future. We worry about future friendships and relationships. We even worry about fun. You know, like, am I a fun person? Do people think I'm fun? Are other people having more fun than me? I'm like, uh, I'm worried about the fun that other people are having without me. It's called FOMO. Like, you get that, right? All right. Or, Or this one right here. I have so many options to have fun this Friday. It stresses me out so I don't do anything and I just watch Netflix. Anybody else done that? I see a couple of you. Boom. I've done that. Think about that. We do that. We allow for worry and stress to have that kind of effect on our life that that it leaves us where we just stay at home. We don't do anything. And we try to avoid the ups and downs, ups and downs. And the question that we're really wondering is, how do I get off this roller coaster? Is there a better way to live? Or is this just it? Guys, I believe that God desires for us not to live on that roller coaster. I believe his desire for us is not to live stressed out, worried, filled lives. In fact, when you look at scripture, there's promises, a blessing of joy It talks about the, when you look at the marks of what a believer should be, you look at Galatians, it talks about this is the marks, this is the fruit of a believer. Peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. That those are the things that should mark us as believers. In fact, God is so bent on us being joyful, he commands it. When you read through the Psalms regularly, you see him says, rejoice, Israel, rejoice, when, he, when somebody just says rejoice, that's a command. If I say get the chair, that means just get the chair. It's not a suggestion. God tells us, commands us to rejoice. In fact, in John 15, we know this. On verses 10, 11, he says, hey, if you want to remain in my love, remain in my commandments. All right, it, keep my commandments. And he says, I've, I've given you these commandments. Why? In verse 11, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. That's why God's created us. He wants to give us his joy. He wants us to experience the fullness of his joy. But for so many of us, that's not our reality. For so many of us, we feel hopeless, helpless, stuck, and overwhelmed by worry in our life. And we wonder if there's any way out of it. Guys, if that's just a little bit true about you, you're in the right place tonight. Because I believe that as we open up to Luke 12, we're gonna see that God has a word for us. And if we draw into it, we're gonna see the reason why we worry is that we truly do in our hearts believe that God doesn't care about us, that he doesn't know us, and he isn't able to do anything about the things that we worry about. But when we read Luke 12, we're gonna see that that lie that we believe is not true at all. 
So I encourage you to go to Luke chapter 12. We're gonna start in verse 22. Uh, if you have a Bible like mine, you're gonna look at, ver at a page. Let me tell you one second. I should have wrote that down. Page 592, that's where we're gonna be. If you have a Bible, it looks like this. 592, that's the, that's the page number we're gonna be. Luke 12, verse 22 is where we're gonna start. But first, let me pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather, to read your word, to make much of you. And as we look at this passage, God, I just ask that you would reveal the areas in our life, God, that we don't trust you and that we're trusting in other things and it's leading to us to live worried-filled lives, lives of anxiety. God, you don't desire for that for us. And I know there are things that you wanna point out to say, hey, Ernie, hey, Chris, whatever that is, that thing right there, it needs to move on for me in order to give you the joy that I desire for you to have, to live in the design that I want you to live in. And so God, we wanna open up our hearts, open up ourselves, examine our lives, not apply your word to our life as something to add to it, but apply our life to what it's saying and trust it and believe it because these are your words, the word of God given to us. And so let's treasure it, let us believe it, let us follow it, let us be obedient to it. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you, amen. Okay, verse 22 and 12, we're gonna start chapter 12. It says, then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you eat are about our body, what you will wear. For, I'm sorry, I'm gonna read on this, too small. For life is more than food, or the body more than clothing. Consider the raven. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment of his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do, even do, do this little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildfire grows, the wildflower grows. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. But that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow. How much more will he do for you? You of little faith. Don't strive for what you should eat or what you should drink. And don't be anxious for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things and your father knows that you need them but seek his kingdom in these things we've provided for you see jesus in this passage he starts again with a command what's his command therefore i tell you don't worry we've heard people give us that command before it's never ever been as comforting in this one and i'm gonna tell you why all right because i've heard it this past week this past week was thanksgiving and it is my favorite holiday like bar none, it's the most underrated holiday on all the planet. Like, like Christmas music should wait until December 1st. Some of y'all disagree with that. That's okay, you're wrong. We can talk about that later, okay? But Thanksgiving, don't shake your head at me. It, it should, it's gotta wait, okay? Uh, like Thanksgiving is an amazing holiday. I love it, why? Because we eat food, we watch football, we be complete gluttons, no one fights, everyone gets along usually. It's pretty great. There's no, there's no like kids fighting over presents or like, can I have more or anything like that? I don't have to go buy a bunch of stuff. I just get to eat and hang out with my family. I love that. And so we did not hang out for family. We went to Colorado to go visit some friends, okay? And we were really excited about this. It was gonna be a fun trip. But I'm telling you, it was, you ever seen the movie Christmas Vacation? That was our trip, okay? I was Chevy Chase, all right? Everything was going wrong. We get there. We're supposed to be staying at our friend's house. Their house isn't ready, so we're staying at their sister's house with them. There's six adults, six children, 1,500 square foot house. 
Not a fun place, right? Okay, that's okay. We're in Colorado. We're going to go play around the mountains. It'll be fun. After the first day, boom, blizzard, 18 inches of snow. Kids can't go outside. We're snowed in. It's a problem. Okay, that's not so bad. Kids start getting sick one at a time. It's a house of vomit. Everyone's throwing up. It's the worst experience ever. I'm sick. The kid's sick. Whatever. It's okay. Everything's still cool. You know, the kids are sick. It's all right. Oh, wait a minute. Now the kids are shoving things up their nose and can't get out. We got to go to the emergency room. This is awesome. This is getting really awesome. Great. Okay, now we're going to the farm. Okay, things are going to get better. We're going to get the farm. We're going to spread out. It's going to be great. Car issues. Boom. Hit my car into a deer. Done. Car is done. Don't have a car. Don't know. We're getting back to Iowa in a couple of days. Who knows? We're going to figure it out, you know? Dr- drive up. And, we, and, then, and then this was the thing. We're at Thanksgiving dinner, and I'm sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner. I'm thinking about my car not working, the thousands of dollars I'm going to spend because insurance isn't giving us anything for it, all my kids being sick. You know, and I'm not eating my aunt's food. I'm just thinking, about it. I'm like, okay, Ernie, be thankful. You're a Christian. Okay, come on, just do this stuff. You can do it. And I'm like, I'm just like, okay, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be thankful. I'm praying. And I'm like, and it, we're about to say what we're thankful for. And I'm like, hey, none of the kids got sick today. That's something. I'm going to say that right now. And so right before I speak, boom, my eighth-month-old just throws up on the table. And I'm like, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And I'm like, I'm going for a walk. They're like, there's a blizzard outside. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like walking around the house. People are looking at me out the window, wondering what's going to happen. And I just come in. I'm like, hey, how we doing? We're doing good. And guess what? My buddy goes, hey, dude, I know it's been tough, but don't worry about that. It's not it's all going to work out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't, be wor- don't worry. I'm like, really? Because you're going to get me a new car. You're going to get me, oh, you're going to make my kids not sick. You're going to bring back this Thanksgiving. You're not telling me to worry. And when somebody says that to you, don't you just get like angry? Like, why are you telling me this right now? Right? Well, guess what? Why are we angry with them? Because they don't have any solutions. They're just giving you a platitude. They're just like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. It'll get better. Don't worry about it. Pat you on the back. You're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what you want to do. On the, that's what I want to do on the inside. Don't tell me that. Help things get better. Here's the reality. When Jesus tells us, when Jesus tells us not to worry, it's not a platitude. He has solutions for us. He has answers for us. In fact, in this passage, he gives us four reasons why we shouldn't worry. And then he gives us instructions on how to walk away from worry. Okay, so the first instruction, the first reason why he gives us not to worry, he says this, don't worry because God values you more than anything in all creation. That's the first thing we need to see in here. We should not worry because God values you more than anything in all creation. And both of his examples he gives, one about birds and he gives one about flowers, okay? In fact, he talks about a specific kind of bird. He says, consider the raven. They don't even sow or reap. They don't even have a storehouse or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than that bird? Jesus is looking at people and saying, hey, look, Consider a raven. And a raven's significant to them because a raven was like the most useless of birds in their culture. It was like, it was like mice or something or like little dogs, you know? It was like the most useless of a- animals and it didn't have any value. And you people with little dogs like, I don't like him. I'm going to Bloomington. I don't care if I'm a junior. All right, and after I say that, no. Look, it's the most useless of animals. And Jesus, in their culture, Jesus is saying, hey, the thing that you think the least about, I take care of and know where it comes and goes. And it matters to me. How much more are you worth than that bird to me? And he says, hey, look at the grass. They don't make themselves beautiful. They don't provide for themselves. But I make them more splendid than the the richest man that's ever existed, Solomon. I make them more beautiful than anything that we could ever create. Just grass. It's here. 
You know this Iowanians, I guess, Iowans. The grass shows up in spring and it's gone by like September. But when you see it, it's beautiful, right? No one, you don't walk into anybody's office and see pictures of people like fashion weekly dresses. What do you see pictures of? Beautiful fields of flowers. A weed that's there just for a little bit and then gone. And God says, look what I've done with these things. Don't I care way more about you than this? And it's true, listen to me. It's true even in his creation. You know, when you read the creation in Genesis, what does it say? That God created everything, but when he created you and he created me, he said he made us in his image. Different, set apart. You're different than Fido, your pet dog. You're different than the hamster you buried when you were six. God set you apart. You matter more. He gives you great value. In fact, he gives you so much value that in John 3, 16, it says that God so loved the world. That's talking about you. That he gave his only son. I love how it says so love. You ever so love somebody? Just so love them. I just can't take my eyes off of them. They're amazing. I'm just so in love. That's how Jesus describes this God the Father's love for us. In fact, he even says it in John 15. He says, he says, this is true love. This is real love. That a man would lay down his life for his friends. And Romans 5, 8 tells us that he even took it a step further. That he didn't just lay his life down for his friends, but he laid his life down for enemies of God so that they would become friends of God. That's the value God finds in you. And that should be comforting to the moments you want to worry. Because when you look up in those moments, like are things going to work out, and you wonder, does God even care? He cares. He cares deeply. See, don't you understand, like, why you feel so secure around your parents? It's because they love and care about you much. My daughter, Ella, all right, she is, we went hiking through this mountain, and she has, like, the athleticism of like a newborn baby giraffe, okay? She's fallen everywhere. And we're hiking through these hills. And there's spots where there's like, not like steep drops, like if she falls, she dies. And I'm just holding onto her hand the whole time, like white knuckling it, like won't let go. She doesn't have a care in the world, why? Because she's with her father and she knows her father loves her and cares for her and her father would never put her in a place where she'd be in danger. I can trust my dad because I know he cares for me and he loves me. You trust your friends, the ones that you trust deeply. Why? Because you know they care for you and they love you. Some of you in this room have forgot the reality that God cares for you very much and he loves you. You didn't have a parent that loved you that way. They didn't tell you they loved you and they were proud of you, but you have a father in heaven that does. And maybe that's the one takeaway for you because your big worry is you don't believe that God cares, but he does. He cares deeply. The second thing he tells us is worrying doesn't help anything. Look at verses 25 and verse 26. He says, can any of you add one moment of his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? What did Jesus say? He says that worrying doesn't change a single thing except make 
life more difficult and stressful on yourself, right? He said, if you can't change, if you can't, there's so many things about in your life, in your life that you cannot change. And if you spend your life worrying about it, it's not gonna help a single thing. It doesn't. And you know that to be true, right? Because finals is right around the corner. I said that word again. Arnie, please stop saying the word. But finals is right around the corner, and this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna be really worried about a certain test or a certain paper. And then inside of yourself, you're gonna have this urge to reorganize your room. I don't know why it happens. It's just gonna come up like, if I just move this room around, I'll be more effective studying. Oh, and I need a new playlist. And then it's because you're so stressed and you're so worried that you don't even face it because when you're stressed and you're worried, all it does is it keeps you away from the thing you should be doing, right? And then, and then all of a sudden it's three in the morning and now you're tired and you're like, if I get a good night's sleep, I'll sleep till seven and study for four hours and then you sleep till 10, you know? And what happened? You worried about something, but you didn't do anything about it. And that's what Jesus is revealing to us. And he goes, hey, there's so many things in your life that, that are completely out of your control. There's so many what ifs. It will steal and rob the joy from you. I mean, this past week, there was, as I was sitting there at Thanksgiving, wondering what's gonna happen with the car because we hadn't taken it to the mechanic yet. There's so many what ifs. So many things I was just worried about. How much money is this going to be? Well, we have to have this. Look, we have enough money to buy this car. What are we going to do? How are we going to get home? How, what, how, much, how many days is this going to take up? All these what ifs. And you know what it was doing as I just worried about it and I couldn't do anything about it because it was Thanksgiving? It robbed the amount of time that I had to enjoy my family at that moment. All it did was take from me. Listen to me, Salt Company. Worrying is of no benefit to you. It doesn't add a day to your life. It only takes from it. It's not helpful. And what Jesus is saying, true, the third reason he says not to worry is this, God knows and he's capable. In both those illustrations about the bird and the flowers, he says he knows the coming and goings of them. In verse 30, he says he knows what we need. Sometimes in the pit of worry, the question becomes, I know it came up in my mind this past week. God gave me a master's level on worry and how to deal with it. In just one week, it's just, it just comes up like, God, do you know what I'm feeling right now? Do you understand how this feels? Are you even able to deal with this? If you're honest with yourself in that place, you've asked those same questions. And here's the reality. Yes, he knows, and yes, he's able. Scripture tells us he knows every hair that's on your head. He knows where you're gonna sit, where you're gonna go, where you're coming from. He knows all your days are numbered. He knows you better than you know yourself. Here's the second truth. He is limitless in power. There's not a single thing that he could bump into that he wouldn't be able to deal with. And what did he say in verse 30? He said he would deal with our needs. See, something I have to reconcile with is God knows what I'm feeling and he's completely able to pull me out of it, but sometimes doesn't. And if he cares for me and he loves me, which the scripture says is true, 
that he loves all those who call on his name and he works all things for the good of those that call on his name, then there must be something God is building within me that I need at that moment that I may not see. There's a reason for where I am, where I am. And God is working it for my good in some way. And a lot of times, guys, to be honest, I find myself worrying about a lot of wants instead of needs. Things that are not necessary for me. So he, he knows what we need. He has the power to take care of it. He cares about us. And here's the last thing, the reason why he says don't worry. When we worry, we live like we don't know God. When you worry, you live like you don't know God. Look at verses 29 and 30. It says, don't strive from what you should eat or what you should drink, and don't be anxious, for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. And when you read 29, it's really easy to look at that and just like real quickly be like, so I should just like chill and just hang out and just be hippie and like, well, I'm not gonna do anything God's just gonna bring to me. No, he's not saying that at all. In fact, he's making a comparison. He's making a comparison. He says, don't strive after these things. Don't seek after these things. Like the Gentile world, when he says Gentile world, he's talking about people who don't know God. Just code for people that don't know God. He says, hey, for those people that don't know God, don't live, don't seek after these things. Don't strive after them like they do. That word seek right there, what it means is to dominate your thoughts. And when we set our hearts on these things, things around us to bring security in our life, instead of trusting God, we live like we don't know God because that's exactly how the world lives. Where do they find their security? Where do they find their satisfaction? Where do they find the cure for their worry? They find it in the things around them. If I can get enough, if I just had a little bit more money, if I just had a little bit more success, if I just had a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we do the same thing. We just sound like this. We say, oh God, I know you're in control, but if you just give me blank, then I wouldn't have to worry anymore. You ever caught yourself saying something like that? Two things, like one, you don't have to worry if you're a follower of Christ, you've been freed from that. Two, the second thing is this, listen to what you're saying. You're saying, if, if I just had this thing, then there would be no more worry in my life. You already know that's not true because you prayed that prayer a hundred times already. I mean, I know it because I went back, uh, I went back over, over summer, I looked at where we're moving, I looked at some of my journals from when I was in high school and the things I prayed for and asked for, I was like, oh, good Lord, thank you, you didn't give me any of this stuff. This is terrible. Why did I ask for these things? What am I doing here? And then I could see where he did give me those, some of the things I was asking for, but it still brought worry in my life. Why? Because when you're like, God, if you just gave me a car, I wouldn't have to worry about how to get to school. But guess what? Now you got a whole bunch of new worries, like hitting a deer, Okay. God, if you just gave me a little bit more money, if you just gave me a girlfriend, if you just gave me this, whatever that thing is, it only brings more and more and more worry if you're seeking that to satisfy you. If you take the, because those are blessings of God, if you take the blessings of God and you make them an idol in your life to bring satisfaction in your life like the world does, it's gonna fall flat on its face because if those things could satisfy you, then America would be the most satisfied place in the world. But we're not. We're like the place that takes the most antidepressants and anxiety meds in the world. I was reading a story earlier today about a guy named Deion Sanders. Some of you may know him. 
He was talking about his testimony, about how he became a believer. And he was talking about this moment. This is who Deion Sanders was. He was like in the 90s. Like, that's so long ago, Ernie. Whatever. In the 90s, <coughs> he was the, he was, I'm trying to wake you up. In the 90s, he was the baseball player and the football player. Like, he played pro baseball and pro football. He was like an MVP. He was one of the best players in the world. And he found himself at a place where he said he was on the sidelines weeping and crying and going, I don't understand, I'm playing great. The team's winning every week, but I'm just so unhappy and this feels all so unmeaningless. And he ended up driving his car off a cliff, killing himself. He's like, my face is on every commercial. I'm famous, everyone likes me. I'm the, I'm the best at what I do. I have everything that my hands can do. I've done it with excellence. And all of it is meaningless. See, guys, when you worry, what it really reveals is what you worship. Because what you worship is where you're finding significance and satisfaction in life. And when you worry in your heart, what you're saying is this in your heart, and it's true, God, I need you in this in order to live a fulfilled life. God, you're not enough, I need this too. And that's how the world lives. That's not how followers of Jesus live, who have the God of the universe who cares about them deeply, who knows them, who is able, who gave himself up for him. Don't live like you don't know God. Because then what you'll experience is the fruit of someone that doesn't know God. And you left that life for a reason. Live like you know God, if you know God. And if you don't, get to know God. So he gives us those four reasons. And after giving us four reasons, he continues on in 31, he gives us a solution. He says, instead of worrying, do this. Verse 31 says, but instead of worrying, instead of doing all those things, instead of living like you're a pagan, instead of doing these things, he says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. In other words, Jesus is saying, instead of worrying about it and seeking security and all that stuff, Seek security in him and he's gonna take care of the details. Then in 32, he says, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Can we just stop there just for one second and think about how amazing that is? Like, just look at that in your Bible right now. If you don't have a Bible, look at it on your phone. Chapter 12, verse 32, he says, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Listen to me, God delights and giving you the kingdom, you being a part of the kingdom of God, that when you become a part of a follower of Jesus, he doesn't just say, hey, I forgive you for all your wrongdoings, just don't go do it again, I'll have to cover for you again, like that uncle that always comes asking for money, and you're obligated to like him, or obligated to help him because he's family. That's not how God treats us. God says, no, 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 no. You're in the family. You're with me. You're partaking and the building of the kingdom of God. I want you in relationship. Hold on to that. That's amazing. That's incredible. Read it again. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights. God delights in having relationship with you. He delights to give you the kingdom. So he says, 33, so sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags from yourself that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, 
no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus looks in and says, this is the solution to your worry. Right here. Instead of worrying, seek the kingdom of God. Instead of worrying, seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God because it can't be taken from you. Right? He gives a contrast between money and the kingdom of God. He's like, hey, get rid of all this stuff. Why? Because it's not going to last 10,000 years. It's not what you need. It's not what's going to solve your heart issue. He makes a contrast, but I think he's pointing at money too because it's the thing we all worry about the most. And let me tell you something, money makes a terrible God because you can't take it with you when you die. It doesn't solve your biggest problems. It's hard to hold on to. And, and the longer you hold on to it, the, the less it's worth. You ever realize that? How much does milk cost today? It's 3.45, I know that because we buy a lot of them. My kids drink like 10 gallons a day, all right? It cost less two years ago. Your dollar's worth less. Jesus is saying, hey, don't invest in the things that aren't going to matter in 10,000 years. Salt company, don't invest your life in things that aren't going to matter in 10,000 years. He says, seek these things. Don't seek things. Don't set your mind to things that aren't going to matter in 10,000 years. Set your mind to the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is I mean by digging in relationally with your Savior. If you don't have one of these, go grab one from the lobby and start reading it. It's the word of God. He's got a lot to say to you. There's a lot of relationship to be built here. Not only that, but do it. Be obedient to what it says. See, that's what it means to seek the kingdom of God is to have relationship with God and to walk with him and to know who he is and to be obedient to what he says. And as you start to dive into this, you're gonna realize that that last chapter that's been written, you know what you're gonna realize? It hasn't happened yet, but it's gonna happen. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Like, let, let me just give you an illustration of this. I, 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 I idolize LSU football. I understand that. I do. And sometimes what I'll do instead of watching it live because I get too nervous and I behave too poorly, is I'll just pause the game, wait an hour, watch it on Twitter, the score on Twitter, and then I'll watch the game so that I know what's gonna happen. And me watching the game live when I don't know the ending and me watching the game when I know the ending are two completely different people, right? Because when I don't know what's happening and I'm watching it live and LSU's down by 10 points in the fourth quarter, I'm like, we're gonna lose. This sucks, we're gonna lose this whole thing. Can't believe it. But when I know that we win at the end of the game, I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to see the comeback. And God is such a G <laughs> that he tells you how we win and he wins. And then wrote it in a book, it made the number one selling book in the world and said, I'm still gonna do it that way. Listen to me, when you set your mind to the kingdom of God and you realize that it turns out really well for you in the end, the worries of today, they're not that big of a deal anymore, right? Because your worries aren't gonna last 10,000 years. But eternity is, and God's kingdom will. And when my mind is focused on that, 
some of the things, a lot of the things that I worry about, I find out are pretty trivial. And I don't let them own me. And what I find out when I am lockstep and zoned in on serving the kingdom of God is that I'm freer than I ever could be. I'm free from the worry about things that don't matter because they're not going to last 10,000 years. Here's my challenge to you. What are you seeking? What are you seeking for life? What are you seeking? What are you thinking is going to matter in 10,000 years? My challenge is for you to think about that. What are the things that are pulling you away from the life God's calling you to? And then this, I challenge you this right here. Read this book for the next seven days. And don't just read it like you read a textbook. Read it with some expectation that God's going to speak to you. Let his truth pour over you. Engage with him relationally. And the next week when we come back, we're going to talk about more what it looks like, what it looks like to follow the kingdom of God in a set-aside worry. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have. God, thank you that you have dealt with our biggest problem which is sin and separation from you. God, thank you that you've sent the Spirit as a promise that you have not left us and that you're coming again. And Lord, I just ask that you would give us perspective of what really matters. God, I confess there's so many times that I worry about things that are trivial. I lose, I lose track of what you have for me now because I'm just buried in worry. And Lord, and there's so many times I doubt your goodness. I doubt that you care. I doubt that you know. I doubt that you're able Lord, and I just ask that that would not be true today of me, that I would say, tell those truths to myself over and over and over again. I would read your word and I would see it over and over and over again, and that you'd begin to transform my heart, that you'd begin to shape my life, and that, and that my life wouldn't be marked by worry, but it'd be marked by the joy of knowing you, of being changed and transformed by you. Jesus, thank you so much, God, that you haven't left us to figure it out on our own that it's not up to me and the things I find in this world to bring joy, because they can't. They can't, they're just, it's just stuff. But you can. And so Lord, let me invest in things that are gonna matter in 10,000 years, not in things that are just gonna matter tomorrow, the next week, and in, a, and in like 10 days, we'll forget it even happened. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. Amen.